Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Stand up and act like you're doing something, all right? Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Mark, that incredible book, and uh, chapter 9. And again, this series is, is all about creating hope where things seem hopeless. And in all of our lives and the world in which we live, oftentimes things seem hopeless. Uh, and, you know, we're praying for the victims and their families that have been displaced uh, by Hurricane Florence. And, you know, it was just over a year ago that, that mine got hit by a hurricane. And, and I know the effects of, of hurricanes. And I'll tell you, they're they're harsh, they're hard, the water rises, mold, mildew, everything happens. So be in prayer for them. Uh, but in that situation, it seems hopeless right now to many. But there are those, I promise you, that are looking at Florence with laughter saying, I wanted a new home anyway. I wanted to remodel, but my husband wouldn't allow it. I wanted new furniture, but we didn't really need it. Uh, you know, there, there's always a situation that looks hopeless until you rewrite the thoughts in your mind. And sometimes they're devastating. Sometimes it seems impossible. Uh, we cannot control life, but we can control our thoughts about life. We can't control situations, but we can control our thoughts about situations. We cannot control when bad things happen. But we can control what we think about and how we think about those bad things. That God takes that which the devil meant for harm. He can turn it around for good. And we may not see that in a day, an hour, a week, a month. But over time, if we're willing to be positive and people of faith, we can begin to look for that moment when God says, You remember back there when you thought it was really terrible and things were hard? You would not be here today had it not been for that moment. Even though God doesn't create bad moments, He doesn't cause devastation, He realizes we live in a fallen world. And, and the Bible says in Psalm 34, 19, Many are the afflictions uh, of the righteous, but God delivers us from them all. And so we have to remember that we too experience affliction and difficulty, and the future is ours to write. And uh, it's all about how we approach it. So today, I'm going to present three little simple steps that I believe can help us every day that we're facing, uh, we a good day or a bad day. And you can write these down, and these will be the topics today. One is exploration. Be willing to explore other thoughts, other possibilities. Be willing to explore that maybe something happened to you in your life that is going to really turn out differently than, than what you thought it might because you've been willing to explore what's on the inside of you. See, most of the time, the most difficult person uh, that we have to look, look into or 
try to discover what's going on in their life. We can usually look at other people and we're assessing what's going on in their world. Difficulty is assessing what's going on in our world. Why do I think the way I think? Why do I live the way I live? Why do I perceive things the way I perceive them? So there's the exploration process in life. Have you really explored why you act the way you act, talk the way you talk, think the way you think, react the way you react? Very, very important that you quit looking outside and say, why is everybody always mean to me? Why is everybody always getting in my way? Why are people always talking to me that way? Stop and say, why do I always find myself in this position? You have something to do with it. And in fact, if you're always getting messed with, you may be the common denominator in this equation. And you know what? You can't expect everybody else to change, but you can expect you to change. You can create these expectations, but you first have to explore yourself, your soul, your thoughts, and say, why do I think this way? I had a long conversation with my older brother last night. I have an older brother and younger brother, which makes me the middle child, which I've been told that middle children have a fast track to heaven because it's very difficult to be a middle child. Yeah. You guys have heard the story. I'll say it again. The first child is the first child. They're very special, and they've never had a kid before, so they they're get all the attention because there's no other kid in the house. And then when they have the last child, last child's really special too because they're not having any more. And somewhere in there, in between there is us, middle children. Well, kind of glad we had you, but anyway, so uh, just having a moment. So you see, you have to reshape how you think. And I'm having this long conversation with my brother last night about our, our lives. He's, he's four years older than me, and, and we've always had a different mentality, a different personality type. And he's very introverted, kind of people-drained. He doesn't do well in crowds. I, on the other hand, don't do well without crowds. I, I love people so much. I'm energized by you, except at 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoons. And then I'm exhausted by you. After preaching all, getting up at 6 a.m. and preaching and all this, you know. But, but I, I am people energized, so we're very, very different. And so when I talk to my brother, I explore his thinking. What is his perspective on our upbringing? Grew up in a lower middle class neighborhood, lower middle class family. And uh, I just recall that, that everything was a fight. You know, everything was every dollar, every dime. Everything was a fight. You know, save this. And my parents were awesome. But, but I remember in my mind, he said, well, what did you think about it? I said, all I remember is fear and anxiety. That, you know, we were always afraid we weren't going to have enough. And we were always anxious about it. And, and there was tension in our home because of that fear. It wasn't that my parents didn't love each other. But how many of you know fear uh, is the opposite of love? Matter of fact, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Somebody think fear is the opposite of faith. It's not. Fear is the opposite of love. If you have fear in your home or fear in your life, it will be difficult for you to love. That's how come the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So there was fear in our home. It wasn't a lack of love, but the fear that was there opposed the love that was there. And oftentimes the fear and anxiety that we possessed kept us from really having the relationships that we wish we would have had. So I'm having this discussion with my brother, and I said, you know, Randy, I was just constantly looking for an escape. I wanted to rewrite the stars. I wanted to rewrite my story. I, it wasn't that I wanted to abandon my family. It was that I wanted to abandon the way my family thought. I wanted to abandon the way my family lived. 
We lived as survivors. We, we didn't fit in. We were this little west side group of people, and, and uh, we were called river rats. I grew up outside of Tulsa, and everybody on the other side of the river were, you know, I remember all the high schools, Central, East Central, Memorial, Mason, I mean, Edison, Will Rogers, all the list goes on. Those were the upper crust schools in, in our city, and then here we were on the other side of the river. And uh, for us to have any activity, we had to cross the river. And uh, it wasn't a pretty river at that. It's looking better now. They've cleaned it up a little bit, but it was the mighty Arkansas. And um, isn't that what it was up there, Susan? It was the Arkansas River, right? Haven't been there in a while, and you can tell I've repressed some of my past. Um, there's probably something wrong with that, too. I'll address that later in the day. Anyway, so, so uh, the problem is that we're often afraid when, when our minds are trained a certain way, uh, we, we, we withhold faith, we withhold questions, we withhold exploring possibilities, thinking there's just no sense in me even asking that question. There's no sense in me even approaching someone with, with possibility because they're just going to say no. Things aren't going to work out. And so I grew up with that mentality. And then I read stories in the Bible that, that begin to shape the way I think. Mark 9 uh, verse 9, as we were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone that they had seen uh, what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now, first off, that concept right there is like you see these guys coming down. They've been on the mountain with Jesus. He's explaining to them what's going to happen. And, the, and then they've never seen anybody raised from the dead. I haven't either. And so in that day, you're thinking, okay, what's he mean by this? That's the question. So you start, you start asking questions about what you've heard. And you get lost in that question. And it says, they kept the matter to themselves discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? So Jesus is explaining this to them as they're coming down the mountain. And so it says in verse 14, when they came to the other disciples that were waiting below the mountain, they saw a large crowd around them and teachers of the law arguing with them. Now, these were the religious legalists of that time. Jesus is presenting a life-giving message in the midst of that, that day legalism. The, the, the teachers of the law had everything in life figured out by the law, not by the Spirit. So Jesus is introducing a brand new uh, theology, if you will, or a brand new philosophy about life. And so they're, they're trying hard to grasp it. And how many of you know when something new lands on your heart or comes through your ears, it's difficult to grasp? I remember when I first got born again, uh, somebody was talking about healing, and they asked the question, do you believe in healing? Well, well I, I didn't believe in it because I, I just didn't think that that still happened today. And so I argued and argued and argued until, guess what? The day came when I needed healed. All of a sudden, I believed in healing. You know, it, when, when it landed on me differently because now I'm the one that needs to be healed. And so when that happens, it changes something. But Jesus really doesn't want us to hit the place where we hit bottom in order to believe. He wants us to believe by faith because we've heard it, we've embraced it and accepted it, and now we're going to live in it. We're going to walk it out. And so he's dealing with this mentality among the Pharisees and they're arguing with his disciples who are believing what Jesus said. However, it's a new paradigm. 
As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought, I brought to you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Verse 19, O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long will I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father. Now, it's just like, Jesus, come on, really? This kid is all over the place, and Jesus is interviewing the dad. Uh, can you tell me how often this is happening? This kid's all over the place. Now, you would think Jesus didn't care, but I think what Jesus was doing was saying, don't get upset and don't get in a hurry when things start happening like this. I've got this. So Jesus is interviewing the dad. This is all going on. And he says, uh, from childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus goes, if you can? Like, you're, you know who you're talking to? You know who you're talking to. Everything is possible for him who believes. So why does this father get the miracle he was looking for? Because Jesus immediately took care of that business. Because he explored the possibility that this Jesus that everybody was talking about, all the things that he had heard, he thinks to himself, maybe it's possible. Maybe God would want to heal me. Maybe God would want to provide for my needs. Maybe God would want to bless me. Maybe God wants me to have joy. Maybe God wants me to know peace. Maybe God is a good God. I mean, do you get the picture? And I'm sure if you're at Mosaic, you're probably already a little bit ahead of the game. But I, I grew up in a denominational church, and it was nothing but biblical lotto. There, it wasn't faith. It was just God just randomly chooses people to do nice things for. And that is not accurate. There are some people that you say, well, good things seem to always happen to them. We don't know why they happen. Maybe it's because they have faith. Maybe their perception of God is nothing is impossible. Maybe it's just to confuse society. But I will say this. You have not because you ask not. You haven't explored the possibility that God would do it for you. God would do it for your family. You have measured God's strength and ability and power by your family's behavior instead of his character. It is the character and nature of God. He is a blessor. He is a good God. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't have to. He wanted to. Why are we walking around earth angry and frustrated? When we have this amazing God, and maybe you're having a horrible week. Maybe you've had a horrible three decades. I'm just going to go there. I would, If I were you, as your pastor, and if I was a counselor, I'd say, the fourth decade's going to be incredible. But then here's your response. Well, how's it going to be incredible? The last three decades have sucked. 
That's the normal human response is measuring your future by what happened in your past instead of saying, I've got a hope and a future and my past has nothing to do with where I'm going. Nothing good's ever happened to my family. Nothing. Nothing good's ever happened to me. We never get anything. Somebody else always does. Instead of saying, get up tomorrow morning and say, it's my turn. Look in the mirror tonight and say, it's my turn. Quit talking negative to yourself. Quit beating yourself down. Fight the good fight of faith. Stand strong. Run the race. Keep the faith. Don't give up. You know, I mean, this couple in this movie look like there's no way they can make it. It's impossible. They come from two different worlds. And, and I know I'm referencing in that relationship. But, but I'm telling you, all of us are, are stretching. And, and that's what God wants because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We're stretching toward the things God has for us. Be willing to explore your thoughts. Why do I think this way? I had to ask myself that question at one point. I said, God, when is this going to change? And basically, God didn't speak in an audible voice, but basically what I heard was, it's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's up to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always. And I will do things in your life that are beyond your imagination. Because Ephesians 3.20 says he can do all things. All things. And they will exceed our imagination according to the power that works in us. The power of God at work in our lives, not resident at work. How many of you know if you go home today and when you go home, let's just say you're efficient people. Very energy efficient. You like to save money. So you turned all your lights off before you left. And you turned your air conditioning. You changed everything. Now, if you go home today, let's just say you go home tonight because you're going to go to the st stupid state fair. Anyway, so <laughs> here it comes. Here it comes. Every year. Oh. Okay, now. And so you don't get home until night after it's dark. And you walk in and go, we have no lights in this house. Look at this. It's dark and it's hot. You got power in the house, but you got to flip the switch. Power's resident, but it's not working because you're not flipping the switch. You have the power of God resident in your life. It's settled in there. If you're born again, you got power. The challenge is many of you not flipped the switch of faith and said, I'm going to stand. And I'm, once I've done everything I can do to stand, I'm going to keep on standing. I will not be deterred by opinions of man, negative moments, difficult times. I'm standing. So well, that's not easy. I know it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And it's not about what somebody did to you. It's about what you think about you. It's a power resident in you, not the power resident in your neighbor. It's not the power resident in somebody else. It's the power working in you. The problem is people get born again. Power of God comes into their life. They, they have this the gift of heaven and Jesus is there and the Holy Spirit's there. But you never hit the switch. 
It's called holy defiance. I am not going to believe what the Bible says I shouldn't believe. Nothing's impossible with God. Now, the second thing is, after you explore your thoughts, you have to eradicate the thoughts that are keeping you from what you're expecting. That means you have to wipe them out. Folks, it's called boundaries. You get around, you, you get your faith built up. You come on Sunday morning to Mosaic Church where you get your faith built up. You watch me online throughout the week. You listen to this message again and again because it touched your life. It's what I do every day that I work out. I'm listening to preaching. Why? I want to get my faith built up. When I hear the preaching of the Word of God, the Word of God overshadows the words of man. The negative, the doubt, the fear, the anxiety, the tension. When I listen, my faith gets elevated. I absolutely, and, and this is not a one-time situation. Most people think, well, I, I, okay, it's a one-time deal. No, it's an every-minute deal, every moment, every day. Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is not going to be imprisoned until after Christ comes back and takes the church away. The devil's still like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's still out there. So every day he comes to devour your hopes, your dreams, your thoughts, your life, your health, and everything else. And so eradicating those wrong thoughts means elevating and filling your mind with the right thoughts, thinking on the right things, believing the right things, saying the right things. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. What are you saying to yourself as you're exploring those thoughts? Well, if God did it for them, He has to do it for me because God doesn't show favoritism. Instead, we're talking about how somebody hurt us. I'm so offended. You're focusing on whatever else. You can't even have a moment of faith because you're always railing on somebody. How bad somebody is, how bad the boss treated you, how pastor preached a message, he was talking to me, I know he was. How did he know that? Who told him? Who told him to say that? God did. Talk to him. I don't know your problems. I just know you're human and we all have the same problems. <laughs> it's pretty common. You know what I'm saying? One size fits all. If you're married, you have marital issues. If you don't think you do, there is the biggest marital issue. <laughs> don't think you're coming in here and your marriage is all you're having a difficult time. You had a fight with your spouse. Nobody else does this. Everybody does. They just do it in different ways. You see what I'm saying? So we all have the same battle to fight because we all have the same enemy. We don't have different enemies. Oh, it looks like we do. They come dressed differently. Oftentimes we think, but they're really not the enemy. That person next to you, side by side, the person you work with, they're not your enemy. The devil just dresses himself up every now and then and in a weak moment tries to fill their mind with thoughts that will destroy you. People come to discourage, to try to get you to quit. There will always be haters in the world as long as the father of hate is in the world. The father of all lies, Satan himself. So when you get crossways with other people, you're missing an opportunity to go to the cross and, and get things right. That's where we go is to the cross instead of getting crossways with other people. So we, we eradicate those things in our lives. Why? Because those are the things that you think on that will give shape. To your behavior. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever you're thinking will drive your behavior and your responses. 
So in order for me to have right responses to things, I have to first think right. So if I think right about you, if I get up in the morning and say, Father, today, forgive me as I forgive my debtors, Lord. I forgive everybody ahead of time, so it's called advanced forgiveness because there will be people who will jack with you the, morning, the moment you pull out of your driveway. So, God, I choose today to forgive all of the Walmart drivers. You say, who are they? The ones who got their license there. I'm sure by now there's some kind of blue light, red light, green light special that you can get your license. I'm not against Walmart at all. My, my niece is a buyer for them. I, I'm just saying we all know the store. So, uh, you know, it's like, but did we really get a license? You know, is it real? I mean, because there are people driving today that should not even be... A, have a bicycle okay so they're dangerous to themselves and others anyway so we have to eradicate the thoughts in our lives before those thoughts control our responses okay so eradicate destruct or destroy the tendencies in your life because the tendencies will become practices you know i have tendencies you have tendencies we have there are people who have a tendency to become uh, a recluse. They, 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 when they, they're confronted and there's conflict, they, they find a way out. And then there are other people that look for conflict. You have a tendency to look for conflict. You have a tendency to try to make yourself feel better by putting other people down. Tendencies. I, I had a lot of those tendencies where in, to feel better about myself, I had to put somebody else down. And instead of just saying, I don't need to put anybody else down, I just need to lift Jesus up. Because if I lift Jesus up, then that pulls me up, and I don't have to put somebody else down. Then if I can let Jesus pull me up, maybe I can pull other people up with me. That'll help you. Because it helps me. Sometimes, and there, you know, we always talk about what's the plan B. You know, let's talk about plan A. Because <laughs> we rarely talk about plan A. We reference plan A, but we plan for plan B. We always do. It's, it's like, well, you know, if that doesn't work, no, what about if we said, this is going to work? You know, I tried to have a plan B when I came to Oklahoma City and started Mosaic because I really wanted a plan B. Because I, I wasn't really happy about plan A. Because I knew I would, I'd have to step back into this world. And, and I thought, I, you know, I began to think all the things that we think about things when they're difficult. And I thought, you know what, what's plan B, God? Because this one's not going to work. And then you all started showing up. Which destroyed my plan B. <laughs> plan B involved sand and water, a lot of sun. <laughs> Here I am in plan A, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. <laughs> I always loved the story of Cortez in 1519 when. He began his conquest of Mexico with only 700 men, and uh, he pulls up to the beach as they get out, and they're walking up to, the, to prepare to battle, and they turn around, and all the ships are on fire. He said, I don't want there to be another plan. We either win or we die trying. See, some of y'all just need to scratch B and C and D. Some of y'all working on F right now. <laughs> you didn't even give all A, B, C, D, E a chance. You just right there. You just stop. Said, We're gonna... I better move along. I can see it in your eyes. Go, Where is he going with this? I ain't going there. Not only must you not give yourself an out, 
you must continually every day find yourself pressing in to the plan A. What does God have for me? Because it's not easy. And when it doesn't get easier, we think it's time to move to plan B. And so without realizing we're at that point of breakthrough, we're, at the, we're literally at, at that point of breakthrough when we go, this is just too hard, so plan B looks pretty good right now. No, no, no. Until you hear the voice, audible voice of God saying, change to plan B, you keep pressing until you can't breathe. When God sent Jesus, he didn't have a plan B. He said, I'm going to send my son. He's got to die on the cross. There is no other plan. When Jesus is in the garden saying, if it be possible, let this cup. Jesus said, if there's a plan B, let it be. And the Beatles weren't even in existence then. Okay, now. Y'all really slow. You've probably already been to the fair. That's the problem. Jesus was plan A. The only plan that if he didn't die on the cross, if he didn't rise from the dead, if he didn't ascend to the right hand of God, we're done. Now, the reason there always is a plan B seemingly in our world is because we really do have a difficult time trusting God with plan A. I have to eradicate those thoughts because those thoughts will become my behavior. And then lastly, expectation. Once you've explored... The possibilities. Once you've decided to draw boundaries and say, you know what, I've got to get rid of all the plan B's and C's and D's in my life. And I've got to eradicate all the negative opinions of others. Now I'm going to live in full expectation that these things are going to happen. The expectations of baby boomers versus millennials, totally different. Totally different. Baby boomers wanted large facilities. Baby boomers want, believe this or not, they did research on this, at a church. Here's what they expected at a church. They wanted big meeting rooms. They wanted nice kitchens. God only knows why because I guess they didn't have food when they were young because I was in that generation. Good music. Uh, ample parking, which we have. Clean restrooms, which are phenomenal. So we have all this. So then I start studying millennials. What do millennials want? What do they expect? Because we all have expectations. Millennials expect authenticity. In other words, they're not going to accept the legalistic language of our day. They're not. And, and, and that's how come millennials are bailing out of church, by the way. There, there's, there's bailing. This new generation says, why do we need it if we know that we really have God and we can get God all these different avenues? Church is bigger than just the message. Church is about creating a presence. When you come here, you get a different presence than you do in your apartment or your house. You're around other people. There's energy and synergy here that you will not have somewhere else. doesn't mean you can't get the knowledge. But being able to socialize that knowledge is what happens in church. You, you take the practice of loving and forgiving and giving. All of that happens in the midst of people. So don't tell me you don't like crowds because you're going to end up at the state fair this week. I always hear people say, you know, I just don't like crowds, Pastor. I just don't. Really? And you're out here with, uh. Who knows what they're deep frying this year? I mean, they, they figured out a way to deep fry ice cream. Where do you go from there? <laughs> it 
They want discipleship. They want community. They want transparency. This is the millennials. They're saying, could you just talk to me like you talk to me? So some older people may not like me. I, I was a youth pastor for so many years. I've always just told it kind of like it is. I even say things totally inappropriate. I get that. And I apologize this week ahead of time for what I might say next week. <laughs> Knowing that that's a great possibility. That I will say something that religious people think I should not say. And then I'll actually smile about it and just believe God that it'll be okay. I don't want to go somewhere where every word is so calculated it's a political speech. We'll see if Lee Corso gets fired. Google it. Did some of you hear it yesterday? Good. I lost it. And you're going to think I'm a bad pastor when you go listen to Lee Corso. I just thought... National television, I'm covered. I, can, I don't think I can do worse than what he did yesterday. And I hope he gets back next week. How many of you can Google it? I just wanted to feel good about my influence. But when you ask, James 1, 6 and 7, be sure that you really expect him to answer for a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So when the father comes to ask Jesus to heal his son, he expected it to happen. Now he had this moment of hesitation where he said, if you can, at least he was transparent with Jesus. Look, dude, I know what you did for last. I know what you did to little leopard dudes. Gross. My son, he's kind of normal. He just has these seizures every now and then. If you can. At least he was honest. But he came in expectation because you had the religious figures of that day, the Jesus followers of that day, that are arguing about the power of the Son of God. And this man's going like, man, I don't want no drama. How many of you say, I don't want no drama? Thank God, at least 80% of you don't want drama. The other 20%, we're going to have a drama small group. Y'all can just go do your drama and then come back here happy, all right? I am way too old for drama. I just like to be happy, have fun, enjoy life, look and say, look, there's a tornado coming as it's sure to turn soon. I have not had a Red Bull this morning. It's all pure Holy Spirit. Every man lives by faith, the non-believer as well as the saint, the one by faith in natural laws and the other by faith in God. Every one of you has faith. The question is, what is your faith in? In the natural laws of man or is it in the, the Spirit of God? Expect. Psalm 5.3, and close with this thought. Listen to my voice in the morning, O Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. Don't let your expector expire. 
You know, kids are amazing. Kids believe, they have faith until they grow up. And adults have told them to stop. I'm telling you to start, lest we become like children. Children believe. I mean, you know, the kid that has a dad that's 5'8 and weighs 140 believes he can take out the biggest linebacker in the NFL. My dad can whip your dad. The little dad's going, please don't say that out loud. <laughs> Today, explore your soul. What's keeping you from receiving what God has? Explore who you are, not who everybody else is. Explore why you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve and quit looking around blaming everybody else for where you are. Eradicate thoughts that tell you you can't because it's too late. You'll never make it. It's never going to happen for you. Wipe those thoughts out because nothing's impossible with God. Once you do that, say, God, I'm coming to you. I've addressed my soul. I've explored all these things and nobody else's fault in my life. I can't blame anybody else for where I am today. I'm here today, God, and, and I choose today as a new day, and your mercies are new today, and today I'm changing the way I think. I'm eradicating old thoughts that have taken me in wrong directions. And today, God, I'm going to stand before you with expectation, and I'm going to begin to believe again, and I'm never going to stop. I still see this room filled numerous times. You say, why would you do that? Because I believe we have a message that will change lives. I believe that Mosaic Church is truly a bunch of broken pieces that God is bringing together to create this picture to a world that says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But all who repent, confess their sins, will be forgiven. No matter what you've done, what he did trumps everything you've done. Overshadows every sin that you've ever committed where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Love never fails. Mercy triumphs over judgment. God really wants to work in your life. He wants to do supernatural things. I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes. Those who will be watching online, if you just take a moment, pause. Just give yourself a moment. Explore your soul. Say, today, am I a follower of Christ? Am I a believer in Jesus Christ? Explore that thought. Explore that. Be honest with yourself because it all begins right here. Your best awaits your best choice. We are a product of the choices that we make every day. But our eternal product is a result of the choice we make on the day that we hear. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've explored your soul and said, you know, today, I did this in 1977. Today, I, I'm not a follower of Christ. I realized that. I explored and I went, if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. It wasn't until I became honest with me that I began to live. On that day, I lifted my hand and I said, I want to be a follower of Christ. Best decision I ever made. Hit a lot of bumps between then and now, but every bump I've ever hit, he's been there to, to, to cushion those bumps. He'll be there for you. You say, please pray for me. I've explored my soul and I need to eradicate the thoughts that God could never save someone like me because that was my thought. 
I had to wipe that thought out and say, I'm going to give it a chance and I'm going to expect that God will do something that I didn't think was possible. And he did. And he'll do it for you. If you say, please pray for me. I need a Savior today. I want to ask you, just right where you're at, heads bowed and eyes closed, just slip your hand up real quick. Put it right back down. Yeah. Are there are others say to me, yes, thank you, sir. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Are there others? Yes, thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. Several of you, thank you. God bless you. We're going to pray a prayer with all of you who lifted your hands right there where you're at. We're going to pray a prayer with you. You're going to pray this with us. And, and just this simple prayer is going to make this profound difference in your life because when we ask God, we expect God, and He never fails. So pray this with me. Say, Father God, I come to you in faith, believing that your Son died for my sins. Jesus, today, I call on your name. And I choose you. I choose forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen.